Ready? This is National Minority Mental Health Month in three, two. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to Title Health on Point. I'm Roger Fallabout, your host. Did you know that July is National Minority Mental Health Month? I didn't. And if you don't, you've come to the right place. Because joining us on the program today is Thais Masengla. Thais is the Director of Inpatient Behavioral Health Services at Tidal Health. Thais, great to have you on the program. Thank you, Roger. My friend, we've been trying to get you here for a while, so it's good to have you across from me at the table. Appreciate it. So I'm going to start with a very general question for you. What is the focus of National Minority Mental Health Awareness Month? Yeah, thank you for that question, Roger. Basically, it's designed to highlight awareness, uh, highlight resources and availability to treatment and accessibility. As you know, it is very difficult. We live in a rural setting. It's very difficult to get access to, uh, to health care, let alone mental health treatment. So this is the month where everybody who is aware of mental health uh, can go and talk about it. Uh, you, you probably know a neighbor or a child next door who suffers from mental illness but has not had any uh, treatment. So this is the time to kind of galvanize the community and, and, and talk about it at the very least. Uh, these days, access is available. There are more Areas that are open, you know, people are moving into this town to provide some services. They are filling some of the gaps. However, as you may be aware, there is still lack of uh, psychiatrists and other providers who can help enhance the, uh, the, the treatment in, in mental health. So basically, this month is dedicated towards that and just to bring awareness and, and, and um, uh, highlight the, the, the need for treatment. Yeah, and the most important service. How long have you been... Involved in mental health, Thais? Total of about 25 years in, in different capacities and different areas. So I love, love, love this uh, area of uh, healthcare. And I know you and I have been at Title Health for a number of those 25 years. Uh, what excites you most about the profession? Well, you know, it's one of those areas where I have delight in, in doing that. Uh, people are really good really great, but what I get satisfaction about the most in this area is because um, when you meet somebody who has been suffering from mental illness and may not have gotten the attention that they need, and when you bring that attention and point them to the right direction, just their spark in their eye, their excitement, and, and their relief that somebody's actually taking me seriously and listening to me. As you know, with uh, other diseases such as hypertension or diabetes or even cancer, there are uh, numerical markers. If your blood pressure is high, we know because we can test it. However, if somebody's suffering from, say, bipolar or schizophrenia, what do we have to measure that? So, And oftentimes, they are not believed until they are on the deep end. So at this point, when somebody comes in and say, hey, you know, I'm really having a hard time getting up in the morning. I'm not excited to go to work. That's an indicator of some uh, potentially a mental illness that's possibly has been going on for a while. And it does feel so good to help other people out when you can. Yeah, it really does, especially 
uh, families. You know, take take for example a breadwinner, a mom or a dad, who's lost a job because of mental illness, but nobody in the family understands why, or a child who uh, has quit school because of mental illness stigma, which we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about. We will. Yeah, so, so those are the areas that can impact the, the family or the society in general. So equally as important, I think, in caring for mental health, the services you provide and the inpatient services that we provide at Title Health, absolutely beneficial. But I want you to talk a little bit, too, about self-care and what self-care means. Well, you know, it's something that I personally have been working on, self-care, uh, I'm a workaholic just like you are, uh, just like many people in healthcare or in the community, and I do neglect to take care of myself. However, I've been you know, trying very hard to take care of myself. Self-care is as simple as doing those things that you love to do the most. You know, I happen to like walking, uh, reading. Some people like to read, just taking... Um, a walk by the beach. We are fortunate living on the shore. We are in, in proximity to the beach. Just going there and just enjoying the nature, the fresh air. Uh, when you have taken care of other people uh, and you haven't taken care of yourself, it's very important that you take care of yourself so that in turn, as a, as a well-rested human being, you can then further take care of others. Uh, Self-care is one of those things that have, have been ignored over the years, but it's one of the primary things to do to take care of yourself so that you could be a, a productive citizen out there. And everybody says it's important to grab a couple of minutes for yourself, get away, put the stressors of the day behind you. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Simple things such as yoga, doing yoga. Uh, you know, releases the, uh, the, 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 the feel-good hormones. And people feel much better, especially now in the stressful situation with COVID. Yes. You know, we, we, we've been locked in, in, indoors, you know, social distancing and, and so forth. So now that um, uh, COVID is kind of, you know, we've taken good control of COVID and we are not there yet 100%. So this may be a good time for folks to just get out, release some stress, uh, just get some exercise, uh, grab that cup of coffee and sit outside and, and just enjoy nature. Blow off a little steam. Blow off a little steam. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, as we mentioned at the beginning of the program, this is National Minority Mental Health Awareness Month. And do you see more mental health challenges or opportunities I think it's a better word. Do you right. see more opportunities to improve the health of people in minority populations? Yeah, there, there's always opportunities in the minority uh, population or underserved communities to, to improve. A, a good example is just to give you some statistics. 70% um, of children or adolescents who suffer from mental illness never seek care frequently. So there is inconsistencies in the care, and, and there's not a whole lot of follow-through, uh, according to the research that I looked at. Uh, so it's very important for communities and professionals to reach out. Uh, obviously, there are other factors that limit uh, accessibility to care, such as transportation or stigma and, and, and other factors that may be related to 
uh, lack of education in terms of uh, possibly the family or the community in general where the, where the people reside. So those are some of the factors that, that need to be at least addressed so that it could be much easier for people to, uh, suffering from mental illness to receive care. I am really glad that you mentioned stigma again. Let's talk about that. What exactly is stigma? And, and I assume it is probably fairly prevalent when you address mental health and behavioral health issues. Yes, Roger, I'm glad you asked that question. You know, stigma is one of those things that is subtle, however powerful. Uh, when somebody thinks negatively of someone who suffers from mental illness, uh, that is not encouraging to the person who, who wants care. It's not encouraging at all. So, And stigma is one of those things that um, we know is there. And we know that it's impactful to those who seek care. And we know that they too are aware. Some, some of our patients are aware of the stigma, and that is really disheartening. Uh, I've, I've talked to a kid just some time back who says he doesn't even want to go to school because of the bullying. Uh, he feels like uh, he's awkward, or some people say he, he's a little weird. You know, we're talking about middle school. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is part of the stigma. And that is very painful. That child will grow up to be an adult and, you know, the, the stories that they tell, what they talk about, it is very painful. With that child in mind, how do we eliminate stigma? Or how do we address, I don't know if we ever eliminate stigma, but how do we address stigma? How, how do we make people feel less aware or less concerned about that stigma, in particular when it relates to mental health? Education. Education, when people are not aware of certain things or certain illnesses, they tend to, you know, take it their own way. But uh, there have been a lot of some, at least, effort into educating the community, uh, educating families, because some stigma comes from the family within the same household. Sure. Uh, Family saying, maybe a dad saying, hey, you, you know, why are you doing this? You are not men enough or you are not women enough or this or that, how come you're not like so-and-so? Uh, so education within the family and community at large is very helpful to at least reduce the stigma. Let's talk about the underserved in the, in the minority populations. Do you see an issue with stigma? Less people seeking care because of it? Yeah, stigma is, like I said earlier, is very impactful in a negative way to the uh, to those suffering from mental illness because nobody wants to be pinpointed out as, quote-unquote, somebody who's crazy. You know, those are some of the words we, we hear out there. Uh, however, I mean, think of somebody who has diabetes. It's not as uh, stigmatized as somebody with mental illness. That's correct. Uh, some people don't even want to socialize, especially if you are going through, uh, just to give you an example, uh, if you're in a manic phase or, or, or depressive phase or, or, or if you just don't feel good in general because of your mental illness, there is lack of socialization. And in some cases, some, uh, some of your friends don't even want you to, to be part of them. 
uh, and I'm saying particularly with the adolescents or the children uh, or school age, is very, very, very powerful. And it's disheartening to say the least. I know that one of the initiatives of our mental health team is to get out into the underserved and the minority communities to address all aspects of health, and that includes mental health. How accessible are the services for people in in underserved or minority communities here on the Eastern Shore? Well, a lot of efforts. I know uh, under Population Health, Catherine Fiddler has done tremendous amount of work with her team to reach to the uh, uh, local communities. She she's done immaculate work, uh, but more work has to be done, and people need to be open. Those who are who are who are in need of care, they need to be open to some of the services that are available. Uh, I know there is. Lack of transportation, mm-hmm. you know, that we deal with in, in the rural area. Every day. Yeah. Every day. Every single day. Lack of providers. Uh, there is a long wait, believe it or not, to see a provider, say a psychiatrist. Uh, in some instances, some people have to wait weeks uh, and maybe a couple of months or so. So if you're in an acute phase, uh, I guess your best bet is to go to the hospital, but there's a, there's a long, long waiting list there. Well, we certainly want to make sure that we see those individuals and, and take care of those individuals and, and when we can get those treatment plans working as, as soon as possible. But you and I both know one of the challenges that we have in healthcare and one of the things driving readmission to healthcare is people not being compliant with their treatments. So I would assume that even in a mental health setting, once you've been seen and you've been given your treatment plan by, by your psychiatrist or your psychologist or others working in mental health, it is imperative that you stay with that treatment plan and, and be honest and truthful to that treatment plan. Yeah, that is correct, Roger. Uh, compliance is key. Uh, I mean, medication. if one is not compliant with the medication or the treatment plan and you are taking medications every other day or whenever you feel like, okay, this is the time to take it, uh, that obviously decreases the efficacy of the medications. Uh, It it also reduces the therapeutic levels of certain medications, such as possibly lithium, if you're on lithium, or Depakote, or any of the mood stabilizers. Uh, So it's very important to stay within uh, with the recommended treatment. Uh, Additionally to the medications, it's very important to seek therapy. You know, we always discharge a patient uh, uh, to a psychiatrist and a therapist. So, so it could be a balanced effort there. That's an absolutely great point. Yeah, absolutely great point. What I hope that thighs, what I hope the two of us have have expressed in the short amount of time that we've been here talking about behavioral health and mental health is that there is no shame, and there should never be any shame. In asking for help, if you need help or if you have a family member that you perceive needs help or a friend that you believe needs help, ask for help. Absolutely, Roger. Ask for help. There is no shame in uh, mental illness. Should There should be no shame in it, and there should be no stigmatization uh, towards mental illness people. Uh, seek for help. Reach out. Uh, uh, and just call for help there. I'm sure after this, you know, we'll post in our website uh, telephone numbers, the crisis hotline or, or other 
uh, resources that could be available for folks. And we certainly do have those resources available on our website too. And we'll, we'll mention that website as we close out the show. But I'll get you out of here on this, on this question, Thais. Uh, if there is someone watching this program who perceives the need for help, has listened to us and, 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 and is saying to themselves, you know what, those guys are spot on and I really could use a hand. How can they get that help? Well, I would encourage people to reach out to, to their local health departments. Uh, there are a lot of resources there. And even just to reach out to any healthcare professional who, or, or your, your own uh, provider, there are resources out there, or at least they can point you to the right direction. Uh, we are always available to, to answer a phone call and to guide people who may, who may need these resources. But I know that the local health, health departments uh, compiled a list of all available providers uh, in the area in, both three, in all three counties, I should say. Uh, so those resources are available. We have uh, folks who are actually reaching out, reaching out into the communities, the schools, you know, disseminating that information. So I know there is help available out there. And while we are talking specifically on the show about national minority mental health awareness, we're talking anyone who needs help, get help. Yeah, definitely it's, it's anyone who needs help, uh, whether you are within the underserved population or community or a minority or anyone. This is for everyone. We are all in it together. Uh, please seek help. There is help available out there. And Thais, thank you. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks for everything that you're doing every day through Behavioral Health Services at Title Health. And we really appreciate your commitment to uh, taking care of our community and, and the mental health of our community. Yeah, thank you, Roger. Good to have you on the show. And that will do it for this edition of Title Health on Point. As Thice mentioned, if you're looking for information around behavioral health and some of the services available, we certainly hope that you'll reach out to your local health department. Great sources of information. And also be sure to check out our website at titlehealth.org. A lot of good information there as well. As far as the program goes, if you have an idea that you would like us to do, please shoot me an email at roger.follow about at titlehealth.org, or you can always do it the old-fashioned way by picking up the phone and dialing 410-543-7142. That'll get you directly to my office. And most importantly, if you believe you are in crisis and you need help, please seek help. Vice, thanks for being on the show again. Good to have you here. And thanks all of you for watching or listening to Title Health on Points. Thank you, Roger.